great future. We're talking real money. It's the Talking Real Money podcast. Hi, I'm Don. Tom's there. This is the Talking Real Money podcast. And we are going to uh, do something that probably will surprise you. We're going to talk about money. But today, we're going to talk about stocks. Today, we're going to talk about who owns all the stocks and why do these people own all of the stocks and how are they owning all the stocks and why aren't the other people owning stocks. It's an interesting data-filled episode of Talking Real Money. Now, of all of the generations, and we, we know the generations, there's the greatest I don't know how they got to be the uh, World I'm War II. Saluting, World War II got saluting right now as I say that. And the not greatest. mocking them either, by the no, way. No, in no, any no. Way. The baby boomers who are mocked regularly. Should that's be. us. Yeah. Uh, then there are uh, Gen X. No, I think it's millennials next, right? Oh, millennials, then Gen yeah. X. Yes. Yeah. Right. Then millennials, Gen then X. Gen X. Okay. Gen Y, so, right? Our parents, your, yep. your parents and mine, yep. were greatest. Yep. Although I. Can I tell you? Sometimes my parents, I don't know, didn't live up to it. Uh, they were the younger version. Uh, the your dad, Debbie's dad, yeah, yes, sure. Anyway, much, yeah. um, but then there are us, the baby boomers. Then are generally our kids, except for in your case when you sl- you straddle both the millennials and I'm the trying to make Gen one in Xers. every generation. Yeah, Lighten up, man. I keep filling generations. <laughs> Whatever comes after that, Tom, 80 years old. I'm going to make me another one. I'm no, I'm no Pacino, but okay, sure. Why not? Yeah. No, 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 no. You're no Pacino. Uh, but guess who owns the most stocks? Baby boomers. Ah, yeah. Over half of all the, the stocks out there are owned by baby boomers. Because one, we grew up during a, a a period where stocks were readily available. They became easier to invest in. I don't even know that it was necessarily the bull market because hmm. we had bull markets, but uh, because a big part of the early part of the baby boomers' life was the 70s, the ooh, the 80s. Ugh. Yeah, but think of the formative years for the greatest generation was a depression and a world war. Oh, absolutely. Less optimism yeah, for very, sure. Yeah, very very gloomy. Ugh, very yeah. gloomy, but but based on optimism, then you'd think that the millennials would be like the best investors of all time because they grew up in you know, a couple of downturns, but nothing really bad happened. Not like depression or world war two not even close no yeah so but let's let's unpack this a little bit and by the way i sure hate reading this opening paragraph nearly two-thirds of u.s adults age 65 and older own equity through individual stocks i come up with another number i don't want 65 how about 70 and older no no offense um you don't want <laughs> you're just already try. there you can't keep you can't keep uh, moving the goalposts, dude exactly. they're there you're Slide in the down. end zone either score or get out <laughs> shoved out of the back uh but the reason that they're making the point here in this article is that conventional wisdom holds that investors as they get older should have more money in safer things like bonds and less money in Stocks, right? Because stocks have volatility. They they move around more. And the point is, baby boomers now are in that period where, well, hmm, over 65, most of them now, right? I mean, I think the cutoff is uh, age or the year 1964. So they're getting pretty close to being 60 at the youngest. 
And so they should be moving to things that are safer. Now, you mentioned a couple of interesting points. Number one, you mentioned bull market. Basically, really, frankly, if you go back to about the time we we started investing in the mid 80s, we have been in a bull market. Yes, yeah, we've yeah, had our yeah, downturns. Yeah. Sure. Sharp, short, longer, but nothing, for example, when we were like children, the 60s. It was awful, but yeah, it or was, the, yeah. the 30s uh, or the 60s where things were you know, pretty tough for a long period. What is it? That period, 1965 to 1982, death of equities, et cetera. That, I think, formed a lot of opinions for people like, why would I ever invest in stocks? They simply do not make money, right? And then you also point out correctly that it's been easier. Index funds, low-cost mutual funds, all kinds of ways you can buy and sell stocks, your little heart's content, if you wish, through all kinds of apps or whatever it is, and uh, which we, of course, wish you wouldn't. But then this article starts quoting people, <laughs> which drives me absolutely crazy. This is the part that makes oh. me nuts, too. It's all of these supposed regular retired people who are, quote, investing in the stock market when they're doing anything but. Yeah, they, they, I'm not even give this guy's name, but he's focused on buying commodity stocks that pay attractive dividends. And then his quote, playing in the stock market is not risk-free. Yeah, playing in the playing, stock market? Playing, playing in any market is, uh, by definition, risky. Yeah, I mean, well, let's it's see gambling. There. There's another quote here I'm trying to find. Oh, the, uh, the 79-year-old retiree, says needs to make forty five to fifty thousand dollars a year through the stock market to fund his lifestyle. And how does he do that? Oh, high dividend stocks, blue chip companies, and tech, because he believes strongly in tech. Tech is what changes the future. Not only fun to invest in, they're fun to keep up with. Yeah, that's the part of the quote that bothers me. They're fun to invest in and fun to keep up with. This is not supposed to be an exercise in amusement. That's what Vegas is for. That's yeah. it. That's that's investing in amusement. You get entertained. I don't I really don't think looking at a Bloomberg feed is on the screen is entertaining. Um, unless anything, unless CNBC moves Jim Cramer over to Bloomberg and then it's very entertaining. Um, here's the, another number that you said data filled. And I think you're right. Among Vanguard's personal investor clients, individuals 65 and older have a median equity allocation of 63%, meaning old baby boom, well, baby boomers, I guess you can't call us old yet. No, we're all old. Uh, have a median allocation to stocks of 63%. Now, that's higher than I would have thought, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing, Tom. The implication of the article, though, and it is implied in it, is that somehow this is a foolish pursuit on the part of baby boomers, that there is a magical number. And, you know, it's like you're too old to, behaving, to be behaving so badly. This is the you baby know? boom generation they've been saying about that for 50 yeah, years. You guys dude. need to act your age and be more <laughs> conservative. But the reality is, and see, this is what I also got from the article, and I don't know that it was as as uh, well-spoken as much, much of the other things, is the fact that baby boomers have more experience in investing than anyone ever has before, ever. I mean, our parents didn't invest in stocks. True. Yeah. Very Not much. much. Later much. they did. Later, Later. yeah. But uh, we have we have had so much knowledge thrown at us, some of it good, some of it horrific, but we have a better idea. And I think as we get older, we're getting better and better at trying to invest based on except for these idiots quoted in the article, 
trying to invest based on what our needs and our tolerance for risk are. At least that's our hope, given that that's the information we purvey. And that is always the biggest question we get, right? How should I build my portfolio if I am 55, 60, 65? Because the implication is if I have more stocks, I'm going to make more money, right? If my allocation is greater to stock, and I've said this before, I'm 80, 20. I think you're 70, 30, right? 70, 30, yes. I'm 80% in stocks. I believe- You have more money than I do. <laughs> I believe. I can lose more too. I believe that uh, I I won't spend all that and I'll leave some to my kids, hopefully, and that I would rather have that more exposed to stock. But here's the thing. Here's the two points that I think are absolutely critical for anyone within 10 years of retirement. You, first of all, need to know who you are about risk. We have the risk quiz at our website. Do you remember how you felt in the spring of 2020? Because right now it's easy to feel great about owning stocks, right? Because they've gone up quite a bit this year. The S&P 500, 15% uh, so far, basically this That's year. That's how short our memory is, Indeed though. it a is. Lot, people, people do forget. not even remember. Yeah. Well, oh, wait, the market went down in 2020? Oh. Yeah. I don't and remember that. 2022 was a bad year for stocks and for bonds. That always gets forgotten. Number two, and this is the part that I think is most interesting and perhaps most important for baby boomers. Remember, a withdrawal strategy is different than an accumulation strategy. Remember, I'm 80-20 because some of that is accumulation for later, hopefully other generations. The, uh, we just talked recently on a podcast about a withdrawal strategy that showed if you have a middle type of portfolio, right, 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds, that generally survives longer than a riskier portfolio because the bonds provide that ballast for those periods of time when stocks actually go down. So having a moderate approach, not unlike a lot of other things in life, not unlike what the baby boomers didn't do in the 60s and 70s. Yes, middle portfolios last longer, and you'll last longer as a boomer as well. Well, and Vanguard's data shows that to be the case, that balanced is the rule. It really is. It's not as balanced as some experts think it should be. It's They're saying, well, maybe it should be more like, I, I, I'm guessing, more like a 50-50 or a 40-60. A but we're talking about a 60-40 mixed. So that's saying the baby boomers have, in aggregate, a balanced portfolio. Yeah, they're doing it. They're doing it right. And you're right. The tone of the article is that you're making a mistake here. Nobody, of course, will know that mistake for another 25 right. years. And, and one of them was Gina Bolvin, who is Bolvin Wealth Management. I don't know where they get these people to quote, but she says in baby boomers experience with crashes when March, when the markets bounce back, it reinforced the idea that stocks are safe investments. Um, and we actually, <laughs> we would like to reinforce the belief that stocks in aggregate, are safe investments. I think she's wrong. Stocks are, in aggregate, safe investments when you remember that requires owning them all or pretty close to them all so that you get the growth of the economy, which, Gina, the economy has always grown. The human economy has always grown. Yeah, and I think going back to some of the people they quoted beyond the advisor, picking high dividend payers, picking tech stocks. That truly is a loser's game and is not something we would ever recommend. Just owning the market has done much, much better. No question. And the problem is, though, it's a winner's game right up until it isn't. And, and that is the problem with most of these strategies is they work right up until they don't. 
And the problem is you don't, no one rings a bell and says, oh, by the way, your strategy is about to stop working. You'll know it only after it has failed on you. And that's too late. That's why we believe in this wonderful thing called balance in life and in money. Doesn't sound very boomer-esque. No, balance. it's very boring-esque. Okay. Crazy. All right. 855-935-TALK. That is a phone number you can call 24-7 and ask us questions. You can also send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. You can speak them or you can type them. And this one comes from Gao in Better Bettendorf, Iowa. I don't think I've ever been to Bettendorf, Iowa. Quad Cities, dude. Oh, okay. Well, there you Mol- go, Lee. Moline, right. Davenport, Rock Island, and Bettendorf. I think the last thing I heard about them was the big flood. Uh, question is, does the wash sale rule apply across marriage? For example, my wife sells Apple in her separate Fidelity brokerage account. Ten days later, I buy Apple in my personal and separate Roth account. Yes. I didn't know that. You know why? You file jointly. It says that here, yes. File jointly. I'm not planning to do this. Just want to understand the wash. Do you want to explain the wash sale rule? It has nothing to do with yeah, staying yeah, clean, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the it's, way. It's, uh, it's when you uh, wash your stock certificates until they're illegible <laughs> and uh, you're no longer Don't allowed to sell them. put them in the dryer either. Don't we'll wreck them. <laughs> no. The wash sale rule, something really simple. You sell a security. You take at a loss. You take a tax loss. And then you buy that security immediately back so that you still own it, but you get to take the tax loss. Well, the government's onto that. That's called a wash sale. If you don't wait 31 days until after you sell it to take the tax loss, the loss cannot be taken. So they're going to look at the joint account. They're going to look at the, the purchases and sales, and they're going to say, somebody in the family sold X and bought it back 15 days later. That is a wash sale. This it somebody, is a wash sale. This somebody at the IRS. I can't. I can't remember how the whole recent debt ceiling thing came out. Did they trim the IRS back oh, again? Oh yeah, like they're okay. going to look. Like but four, no, four see, that's, people back there going. But through that the one is an automated computerized thing where they get the reports from the brokerage ah. houses, and because okay, think about it for a minute. You exist in the world as separate entities, but you live in the same household. So if you want to game the system, wouldn't it be just really easy to say, okay, honey, we're going to take a tax loss on Apple in this account, but we're going to buy it back in your account. Hmm. Come on. The, you, you, they're on to they, that. There may not be very many people there, but they're on to most of the tricks because there are no new tricks in That's the world. That's a good point. All if right. you watch an old movie about some sort of a con, you know, it, it, the, the same cons are being pulled today. We there, there are no new cons under the sun. It's a con. Con is a con. This a is con. a con is a con. Is Don a con. is a Don a con. Don okay, con. Uh, this is from Don in Johnstown, New York. I have assets in a Roth and a health savings account, HSA. Most of the money in those accounts are large cap or blue chip growth. I want to add 10% into a couple of small cap value and sector ETFs. Would it be better to sell 10% of those blue chips and large caps to immediately buy some small cap or halt the investing and dollar cost average on a weekly basis to these small cap ETFs until it reaches 10% of my portfolio? In other words, fix the portfolio with what I hold. Immediate. Absolutely. Your asset allocation should be correct at all times under Mm -hmm. all circumstances. It matters not. What's because the only recently. thing that would throw a wrench into this equation 
is if these accounts were taxable. That Good would be point. the only thing. But no, thing. this is a Roth and an but HSA. But it's a Roth and an HSA, yep. so they're tax-free or deferred. So therefore, the transactions will not be taxable. So therefore, the best time to buy equities is today. The best time to buy is always today. Because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But and I do know that more tomorrows are up than tomorrows are down. The expected return of those equities is Higher. The, re- the return that they provided. In other words, you can't... Gene Fama said this many years ago that people that say the returns will be different are that's silly because that's total speculation. All you can say is here's how they have performed. That's got to be the expectation. So uh, I, I, yeah, I'd be rebalancing my portfolio ASAP. And we've got 97 years now. We're getting so close to that 100 year mark. We have 97 years of impeccable data that shows without a doubt that small cap stocks have not just outperformed large cap stocks. Big. They have trounced them yep. by, oh, let's see. is Four it a, and a half percent. I was going to say, it's almost a 5% margin. It's four and a half percent. It's shocking, frankly. Four and a half times. No, four and a half times. No, it's 16%. Right, you're talking about 16. the percentages, but I'm talking yeah. about in a terms of a dollar oh, amount. It's, dollar about, amount. Oh, it's yeah. about five times higher. Yeah. In that period of time. Yeah, no, there's no question. So you want to take advantage of that. So make those changes. There you go. Now, Tom, any additional news or information you believe we should share with our fine feathered listeners? You're putting me on the spot here. No, I I don't have anything else. Well, just in case you did, I ah, wanted to give okay. you the opportunity. Okay, I didn't know. I thought I thought maybe I was supposed to know something. No, 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 that. no. You're not supposed to. I I don't count on you knowing anything. I I count on nothing. That's good. I just then give you the opportunity. Then you'll be very satisfied be with what you get. You'll never be disappointed. Never, never disappointed. So, what what wit and wisdom would you like to share, oh grandfather? I think I think I've already shared it. It's all, all right, gone. Done. So yeah. Take advantage of all the free stuff we give you. We mentioned the risk quiz. Free stuff. That we yeah, we talk to people every day with no obligation. People don't still don't believe that. I that know. when they sit, they think you're going to get sold. To- no, we talk to people all the time, and we don't sell you and anything. Why we would we you. lie about that? I well, mean, be- really? It's no. Why? But <sighs> I know everybody else does. You're right. Right. Exactly. That was silly the of me. Free consultation. That everybody is, the else doors does. lock behind me and. <laughs> They come in with the three-piece suits and make me sign something. Now, yeah. when Tom starts offering free steak dinners, Ooh. count on a high pitch or a high pressure sales pitch. That's when you can count Wait, on. Didn't it. I just give you a free steak dinner? Oh, did I forget to tell you? <laughs> Thanks for the steak for my birthday, by <laughs> the way. There's uh, the free they, steak dinner. They sent What's coming out? next? Oh, what happened? What happened? Get this. They yeah. sent it out on June 10th. UPS ground. UPS. <laughs> UPS ground from New York City. Oh, good lord! Guess when it arrived? A week later. Uh, six days later. Oh, good and God! And what happens to dry ice even in a cooler after six it, days? It will melt. And what happens to the temperature of a box left in a hot UPS truck all day oh, in Florida? God. So they any worth? You just have to feed them to the dogs, or what are you going to do? Oh no, their 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 history. Uh, they're sending me a new batch. They oh, good said they were lord. sorry. I open the box up and I go, it's warmer the? in the box than it is outside the box. <laughs> that meat should not be eaten by I'm not, man or beast. I'm thinking well, it, it depends on how long it's been warm, but I don't know that. So that's, they're that cheap that they sent uh, UPS ground. And considering what they charge for meat, 
Yeah, it wasn't cheap, but anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. I hope it all works out in the end. No, so. it will. I just had to tell you. Thank you for the meat. My pleasure. The uh, no, the, nothing, no sales coming after that either. By the way, just so you know, the landfill will love it. <laughs> all right, uh, thank you all for being a part of our little get together. We appreciate you so very much, and uh, we really do. And I'm being sincere, and I know it doesn't sound like it because Tom is the sincere one in the in the uh, oh, in the stop duo. It. You know. But I am. I'm sincere. Take care of yourselves. Have a good one. Um, and remember, almost every day, all we do is hang out and talk real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.